0: This is the Epic Artist Podcast. Engage. We must seek to redeem the soul of humanity. All imaging Value the good, the true, and the beautiful. And realize the potential of language. Communication Archilochus, the lyric poet from the island of Paros, he lived during the Archaic period from 680 to 645 BC. He was part of the Parian colonization of Thassos. Thassos is an island in the north part of the Thracian Sea between what was once Macedonia and Thrace. At the end of the 8th century, the cult of Demeter was established on Thassos by Greeks from Paros. One of them was named Telus, and was the father or grandfather of Archilochus. The island was rich in gold and marble, with thick forests, and would become a wealthy state among the Delian League into the 4th century. The island was known for producing great tree nuts and olive oil. Thassos was famous for its wine, and Thasian coins had depictions of the wine god Dionysus and grapes on either side. Most of our knowledge about Archilochus' personal history comes down to us through his surviving works as well as the references of other authors and some archaeological evidence. Like with the other poets of the Archaic period, their work is fragmented, and so is our understanding of their history. It is difficult to date his life with certainty. According to some authors, he mentions an eclipse in one of his poetry fragments. There were three eclipses that would have been visible in the Aegean between the late 8th and mid 7th centuries. We cannot know for sure that this reference was to himself or not, considering he is often a character in his own poetry. His works are not yet complete despite acquiring more papyrus documents over the centuries. He was certainly not older than the reign of King Gyges of Lydia from 687 to 652 BC. We know that Archilochus had a sense of humor and wrote his poetry about less serious subject matter compared to the epics of Homer. In the fragments of Archilochus, we find a comical poem where he tells us about tossing away his shield with a cavalier attitude. Some scion mountaineer struts today with my shield. I threw it down by a bush and ran when the fighting got hot. Life seemed somehow more precious. It was a beautiful shield. I know where I can buy another exactly like it, just as round." Dropping your shield is an act of contempt for the very notion of honor in Greek society. The frankness of Archilochus' disregard for the opinions of traditional military masculine approval would be received with the highest level of contempt from a society based on military aristocracy. He weighs out the value of life against the value of his shield and assures his audience that it can be replaced, unlike his life. Archilochus is a reflective poet and a comic. He was criticized for being crude, speaking like a sailor, and for the unrefined content of his poetry. Archilochus was a wanderer who sought to represent himself And there are even motifs in his writing that reflect the life of Odysseus. He was banished from his homeland, he was accused of cowardice in Sparta, and faced financial troubles throughout his career. Perhaps he saw himself as an outsider within the Greek world. According to Greek mythology, Archilochus received his poetic inspiration from the Three Muses. When he was a young man, his father, Telesicles, sent him to sell a heifer. He left before the sunrise and took the heifer to the city by moonlight. Along the way, he came across a group of women. He approached them and made fun of them. They received his humor and laughed. They asked him if his intention was to sell the cow. He told them he was. They said they could make him a good offer. As soon as they said that, they disappeared and the cow was gone as well, but there was a liar left at his feet. He was confused for some time. When he returned to his wits, he realized that those women were the Muses, and they gifted him the lyre. He went on to the city with his lyre in hand and told his father the story. Telesicles traveled to the oracle of Delphi to inquire about the missing cow. The oracle told him that his son will be immortal in song. Quote, I am a servant of Lord Ares and of the Muses, and am skillful in their lovely gift. Quote, We see here the same motif that defined Hesiod's Theophany. Both myths are about a young man who is a shepherd or a pastoralist, and becomes a poet through an encounter with the muses while in the field tending to his flock. Like many idealistic young men gazing upon the stars, Archilochus was concerned with the inner world and sought to create a life where poetic verse was his purpose and fulfilled his meaning. Quote, These golden matters of Gyges and his treasures are no concern of mine. Let us not worry about the gold and treasures of others. Let us not become the slave of jealousy. Jealousy has no power over me, nor do I envy a god his work, and I do not burn to rule. Such things have no fascination for my eyes." Poetry may try to stay within the realm of pure creativity and emotional authenticity. However, its literary nature puts its creators in the same universe as philosophy. Archilochus plays the role of a philosopher as well. Be bold. That's one way of getting through life. So I turn upon her and point out that, faced with the wickedness of things, she does not shiver. I know to love those who love me, how to hate. You whom the soldiers beat, you who are all but dead, how the gods love you. And I, alone in the dark, I was promised the light. Quote. However, what we remember of Archilochus' work was from the dark side of his personality. The story of Lycambus and his daughters tells us about how powerful Archilochus' words were. Lycambus promised his daughter in marriage to the poet, but then refused to honor his promise. Archilochus took great liberties at the feast of Demeter to verbally express his resentment towards Lycambes, and used the feast as an opportunity to poetically attack Lycambes and his daughters with a satirical roast of their character. Archilochus accused Lycambus of perjury, showing no mercy, He abused Lycambes and his daughters with such impunity, they took their own lives and hanged themselves in response to the public shaming. Archilochus is thus remembered for his vulgarity, dark humor, anti-social rhetoric, and critical satire. He could be the father of satire. He was criticized by Heraclitus for being focused on Mythos as opposed to Logos. He was criticized by Pindar for his propensity towards slander, Critias, the politician, disliked Archilochus's ability to criticize his friends and enemies equally. However, Dio of Prusa remarks that Archilochus was first critical of himself before proceeding with his harsh language toward others. His poetry was banned in Sparta, and Emperor Julian would have his work censored many years later. One fragment we have tells us the story of his emotional struggle throughout his journeys as a warrior poet, to his soul, quote, Tossed on a sea of troubles, soul my soul, Thyself do thou control, and to the weapons of advancing foes A stubborn breast oppose, undaunted mid the hostile might Of squadrons burning for the fight, Thine be no boasting When the victor's crown wins these deserved renown, Thine no dejected sorrow when defeat would urge A base retreat. Rejoice in joyous things, nor overmuch let grief get thy bosom touch, midst evil, and still bear in mind how changeful are the ways of humankind. Archilochus was a true warrior poet, and was certainly influenced by the wine indulgence of the symposium. I owe my bread to my spear, and this is maric wine which I drink, leaning on my spear. Archilochus was a mercenary, so he would have seen a darker world than that of the traditional aristocratic artist. He certainly would have seen violence and sex in a way that was visceral and possibly dissatisfying in its animalistic authenticity. Quote, Just as either a Thracian man or a Phrygian sucks up beer with a straw, she was toiling away crouched down. Quote, It is likely that he would see Thracians and Phrygians as barbarians, and apparently men who enjoy fellatio. Prostitution is a running theme for Archilochus, Often money gathered together by long time and labor is poured down into the gut of a prostitute, Quote, It's likely that he sought out prostitutes and experienced for himself some of the very things he shamed about sexuality in his society. Archilochus might have struggled to establish himself with honor in his city, and consequently could not find a wife of the social status he desired. This could have added to his resentments and sexual frustrations. However, I think that many men can relate to such feelings. The desire for sex can bring out the best of a man and the worst. He was a man who appreciated beauty, and he had romantic thoughts. And her hair cast shadows on her shoulders and breast. Perfumed hair and breast even an old man might have fallen in love with. Though he often has motifs of sexual resentment and violence. what I might touch Neobule's hand and fall forcefully on her body and press belly to belly and thighs to thighs. He was considered offensive during the times he lived. Wayward and wildly pounding heart, there is a girl who lives among us who watches you with foolish eyes. A slender, lovely, graceful girl, just budding into supple line, and you scare her and make her shy. When the shadows go black and quiet, Let us, you and I, alone, and the gods sort these matters out. Fear nothing, I shall be tame. I shall behave and reach, if I reach, with a civil hand. I shall climb the wall and come to the gate. You will not say no, sweetheart, to this. I shall come no farther than the garden grass. Quote, Archilochus descends into a crude description of Neobule's sexuality. Quote, Ay, she is past her day, ripening rotten. The petals of her flower are all brown. Quote, he continues to berate her sexual value and degrade her. Quote, a woman like her would drive a man crazy. She should get a job as a scarecrow. Quote, However, he confesses to desire her in the end. Quote, I laid her down in a thousand flowers and put my soft wool cloak around her. I slid my arm under her neck to still the fear in her eyes, for she was trembling like a fawn, touched her hot breasts with light fingers. It is clear that Archilochus, like many men before him and many men after him, had a conflicted sense of desire for a woman's sex. He was resentful, lustful, demeaning, and yet caring in an emotionally obtuse kind of way. He finishes his poem with an oblique description of reaching a premature orgasm. Like Hesiod, Archilochus was a man who had harsh words for women in his poetry. However, he was not at odds with the role of women in a socioeconomic sense as much as he was with the effect of sexuality on the psychology of men. He was also crude in his abundant references to genitals, bodily fluids, sexual acts, and the explicitly physical descriptions of sex. Quote, the sinews of the penis are broken. She skinned every man. He may have been describing sex with an aggressively lustful woman who damaged his manhood during enthusiastic lovemaking, or he was telling a story of a man who was emasculated by the woman he had sex with. Ultimately, it was this kind of poetry that earned him an expulsion from his homelands and a general reputation for smut-peddling and shock-value satire. He reminds me of the American comedian Andrew Dice Clay. He was brash, lewd, offensive, misogynistic, homophobic, vulgar, and racist. He is everything the modern comedian cannot be without losing their precious career in Hollywood. He was the first comedian to sell out Madison Square Garden for two consecutive nights. He is known for specials such as No Apologies, Banned for Life, and Face Down Ass Up, just to name a few. He was banned from MTV. His appearance on Saturday Night Live was protested, but he was never shut down. He ruffled the feathers of the masters of Hollywood, despite being so popular. It's men like this that make us question how sensitive we really are. Are the things that we consider so holy and sacred above satire? We may be perfect creations of the universe, yet our genitals are unreasonably close to our butts. Is that why we associate dirtiness with sexuality? It is the way we act in the face of our confused sexuality that defines us, whether or not we respect boundaries and our understanding of the vulnerability in pursuing one's sexual desires. Perhaps we should be more sincere in our reception and rejection of another's sexual advance, play no games, and speak our minds, where yes means definitely and no means leave me alone. As the saying goes, men propose and women dispose. It will forever be a man's challenge to live without resentment, and a woman's challenge to retain her dignity. Archilochus did not seem to have loyalty to anyone other than his brothers-in-arms and to the gods. He fought against the Thracians to help the Parians establish Thassos, just to be exiled from her shores. He was banished from Sparta for his lewd poetry, and suspected of cowardice. Yet he would be revered in a warrior cult for centuries, with a shrine in his honor. His cynical, comical, satirical, yet philosophical life would be ended when he returned to Paros and fought against the island of Naxos. A Naxian warrior named Calondas killed Archilochus. Though they fought fair, it is said that he was punished by the gods. Calondas went to Delphi, to the temple of Apollo, and when he saw the oracle, he was told, much to his dismay, You have killed the servant of the Muses. Depart from the temple. He lived like a poet and died as a soldier. However, it seems that losing a poet in battle, even if he was salacious, is more tragic than all of the hurt feelings of the subjects and critics of Archilochus.